Welcome to the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast, where you'll get actionable tips and advice on major gifts, direct response fundraising, legacy giving, and much more from leading experts in the nonprofit sector. Now, here are your hosts of the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast, Andrew Olson and Roy Jones. Hey, this is Andrew Olson, host of the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast, and I am I'm here with my colleague and co-host Roy Jones, who Roy, I hear that you've been in New York for the last couple of days. Give us a, a quick uh, overview of what you've been up to. Oh, yeah. Well, we had Mercy Ships just had a great event uh, at the United Nations, several heads of state, lots of international leaders. It was uh, really just a, a terrific time, really a first time for us in, in that we were doing an event designed to get Africa to help us support our work in Africa. And uh, so it was a pretty special thing. But uh, man, I am excited about this podcast. We learned how to how to make ass and and how to raise money at events from the guy we're going to talk to today. That's that's a great lead in, and I'm I'm super excited about this to have somebody on the show that that I think we can only appropriately refer to a, as a legend in the the major gift space. Um, and that's Bob Westfall, CEO of Westfall Gold. Bob, welcome to the show. Hey, it's a thrill to be here, and uh, congratulations on your event in New York, Roy. Awesome. So Bob, thank you for being here. I'm super excited about this. So I, I have spent, as Roy can, can tell you, the majority of my career on the annual fund side of the, the development house. But I, I think I've heard your name or the name of your firm at least 15 times in different client engagements and, and certainly from Roy and, and from some of my other even current client partners. Before we jump into the, the meat of our questions, give us a you know quick Quick background on who you are and, and who Westfall Gold is. Sure. Thank you for asking. Uh, I've been in the business of philanthropy since 1988 and uh, actually have uh, worked exclusively in the major donor space the entire time. I worked inside a nonprofit where we developed a weekend event model that was designed to accelerate cultivation and moves management with prospects and uh, what I would call fringe givers. That weekend, I started doing it in 1991. Uh, I left the nonprofit in 2002 to start Walk, uh, Westfall. So Westfall has been in existence since 2002. We've served more than 100 different charities and nonprofit organizations um, through this event model. At this point, we've raised $950 million to uh, ser serve great charities through this weekend event model. And um, our average gift, just to give context to this, uh, we've raised $105 million this year through the major donor event, and the average gift is $105,000 a family. Wow. So uh, all of that to say, you know, our focus is, is entirely on people of high net worth and ultra high net worth and giving them an experience that drives their relationship deep uh, within the context of that organization. So I, I'm really fascinated with this model. And, and I, I guess I, the question I want to ask you is, do you, do you see your organization and yourself as a major gift consultant, an event marketer, an experiential marketer? Where do you fit in those categories or are you all of those things? Yeah, yeah. So we are uh, major and mega donor uh, experts. Our, our value proposition is we know how to help givers uh, move from what we call transactional giving to uh, transformational giving. And that happens through a process and an event. 
So uh, even though our focus as an organization is on major and mega donors, a lot of people pigeonhole us as a, an event company. And yeah, our, the focus of our deliverable is an event, but uh, we're, we're not doing a wedding here. We're, we're doing an, <laughs> a, an experience on purpose that, that creates a place where givers can uh, be immersed in the story of an organization and dive into partnership like they've never done before. Okay. So I, I want to pick at this a little bit because I think what you're describing sounds on its face similar to what some of my colleagues in, this, in the sector might say, oh, well, we do something like that with uh, uh, the Benevon model or other programs yeah. like that. But those are hard to replicate once you leave the room. Tell me what's special about the way that you approach major and mega donor engagement and, and why what you guys are doing is something that can scale beyond just what happens at the events. Sure. That is, a, that is an excellent question that has a very long answer to it. Um, <laughs> I'll try to be concise uh, okay. and, and provide you some, some uh, places within this answer that you can ask some follow-up questions. So the beauty of this weekend event, it, it, it's first and foremost intended for uh, giving uh, family to attend. And when I say family, we all know that a vast majority of, of givers are, are couples, although there are lots of individuals, but 90% of the givers who attend our events are couples. So we make attendance contingent upon the husband and wife uh, if, if that's the couple, if that's the definition of couple at this setting, they attend together. You know, first of all, rarely do you get that unit together, right? The, they're always going in different directions and um, different priorities, et cetera, et cetera. So we have found if we can get the couple together for a weekend, um, what ends up happening is uh, first and foremost, they, they get some time to kind of wrap their minds around uh, a single organization and we get their attention for the whole weekend. Um, the next thing that happens is we immerse them in the case. So we focus on how do we help somebody who's either brand new to a, a nonprofit or has been giving at very low levels, but has the capacity to give a significant gift. How do we help that uh, giver move from uh, you know, zero, one, two on, on the inclination scale to eight, nine, 10 on the inclination scale and actually make a giving commitment during the weekend. And that's really the, the essence of the value proposition of working with us is this is all we've done for all I've done for 30 years. And all we've done as a company for 17 years is uh, develop and refine this, this experience where, um, we create an entire case for support, roll it out so that it, it's the, the donors immersed in the experience and they can make a, a calculated giving decision at the weekend. The carry-on value of that, the extended value of that is that the content is all reusable. So fundraisers, if you only have, let's call it 50 giving families at one of these weekends and you have 500 major donors in your, in your charity, uh, obviously, that means you have 450 you didn't reach at this event. But this this content has carryover values, so your caseload managers can use the same content in in cultivation and moves management and driving the other giving uh, families in the caseload to a deeper level of giving with the organization. So 
when, when you first came on that you guys have raised nearly a, a billion dollars in, in the, the lifetime of, of the, the company. And is that across, what, what would you say, a couple hundred organizations? It's uh, slightly over a hundred and uh, it's 17 years. So, uh, but we really hit, really started to hit traction um, about eight years ago. So the majority of what we've accomplished has been over the last eight, eight to 10 years. Okay. You know, it's, it's interesting, Bob, let me jump in just real quick. The, the thing that, that I have found so helpful to us is not just those that came to the event, but using the event yeah. to create conversation and have a reason to, to dialogue and, and we're reaching out to the right people. I mean, it's really been a, a donor upgrade process for us, you know, where we've targeted easily a couple thousand people over the, over the last three years that we've engaged with and talked to, you know, to end up getting 40 or 50 in the room each, each year. But it, it has such benefits to us, not just with those 40 or 50 each year, but with the hundreds that we have began, that we began dialogue with because of the event. Now, don't get me wrong. It, it, it's work with those in the room. I mean, the first year we raised 4.6 million. The second year we raised 5.2 million. And last year, what was it? 15.5, I think. So it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's actually gotten better each year. And in our case, I know some of your other clients do things a little differently. We don't kind of we don't reinvite them since we've been presenting the same project uh, at, at 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 Founders Weekend, and so it's all new people every time. And so you know, but the people that that got us to that fifteen five that last year uh, were people we'd been working on for three years to get to this meeting, <laughs> and so it was it was worth the investment. It was worth the time. Yeah, you know, those of us in can call you know I'd, I'd call people. 10, 12, 15 times and wouldn't get a call back, you know? So I, we hosted one event and I had called this one couple 10 times, left voicemail messages and they never returned my call. But I signed, I saw that they had signed up for one of our events about two months from then and, and made a, a purpose to make sure I connected with those, with that couple at this event. So they get to the event and they, they sign in and come, come to register with us. And uh, I said to this couple, hey, it's, uh, you know, so-and-so from Indianapolis. And they're like, oh, you're, you're Bob Westfall. I, you've left me a couple of voicemail messages. And I'm like, well, 10, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you guys know the drill. But, uh, at, you know, here, here I can't even get them to return my telephone call. But through the context of the weekend, this was Thursday night afternoon when I saw them for the first time. Saturday night, they were seated with me at dinner. And at dinner, they said, hey, when you come to Indianapolis, where do you stay? And I, at the time, I'd stayed at, uh, I think it was a Marriott Courtyard in Carmel, Indiana. And they're like, oh, that's only 10 minutes from our house. Next time you come to Indiana, why don't you stay at our house instead of at the Marriott Courtyard? <laughs> So, you know, Roy, I go from this like ice cold relationship where I can't even get them to return a voicemail to they're inviting me to stay at their house when I come to town. But see, that's the, that's the difference. I got to tell you, Bob, I wasn't a big believer initially. I, was, I said, man, three days with, uh, with a group of donors, that's, that just seems weird to me. I was so used to 
fundraising and events in, you know, kind of one night shots, you know, where you, you have that event and the payday is that night and it's over with. But the intimacy, the bond that you build yes. with people over two or three days, it's a very different level of, of fundraising. And in three days, you know, when you have eaten, you know, six or seven meals with a particular uh, supporter of your organization and you've, and you've gone out and had some uh, time at the pool or you played golf or you do things like that, you really build relationship. And so often people, you know, you know, I think that was the thing. This was a new model, a new layer in the fundraising process that we added to our game that I'd never done before. And I'd been, I'd been in this racket 30 years before we met. <laughs> and, yeah. But to lay this uh, multi-day concept into the whole event strategy doesn't change the other events. Those all serve a useful purpose. But this really uh, was the icing on the cake. Yeah. It's an accelerator that you know, when people ask me, you know, what's the, what, how does this work so well? It's, it's just an absolute accelerator in, in building relationship, in donor understanding of the organization, in inclination. And then the last thing it accelerates is trust. I don't know if either of you guys have read Stephen Covey's book, Speed of Trust, but it is a, is a great thesis on uh, how to really develop deep levels of engagement. And um, when people spend three and a half days with you and they get to know the board and the leadership team and other donors of the organization, it accelerates trust. And we all know that's a, a, a major feature in, in engaging a, a new donor to your cause is they have to believe and trust in you. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm curious, Bob, I, I feel like this model and having not experienced it myself, um, you know, maybe, maybe this is, uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there are, are many development officers for sure. And maybe even, maybe even many CEOs who aren't comfortable getting this close to donors. Talk to us a little bit about the, you know, sort of what are the prerequisites from the staff side? What do they have to be ready for? Who are the kind of people that, that are really successful? Uh, yeah, thank you. You know, the, the, the primary item that we look for is capacity of the file of the organization, number one, and number two, the case. So is this a case that's, that's uh, scalable, that's growing, that has, you know, uh, the kind of viability that a major or mega donor would want to invest in? We look a little bit at the team, but you know what, what, what really matters to the giver when they get to the event is the other givers that they're meeting, that they're, they're, they're finding themselves, we're not the only people in this game. We're, we're part of a community of givers that together we're making a difference and we're becoming part of the family. In Roy's case, that's Mercy Ships. We're, com we're becoming part of the family of Mercy Ships. And um, that's actually... Uh, a significant element in driving a donor's decision to make an extraordinary gift in an organization. I, I just keep thinking of the expression, eagles fly with eagles. <laughs> they like being in the room with, with other people of high net worth, high capacity, success. They, they like that, don't they? Absolutely. It, it gives them courage. It gives them uh, believability in the cause. It gives them trust in the organization. And, and those are things you can't replicate in one-to-one -one meetings. I, hey, listen, I was a caseload manager myself. 
and I, I couldn't, I could not replicate the results I would get if I brought a donor to the major donor event weekend. In my one-to-one -one meetings, I couldn't get the acceleration of relationship. I couldn't get the husband and wife together. I couldn't get the husband to carry the, the story home to his wife or the wife to carry the story home to her husband. No wonder it takes two to three to four years to, to get a donor to move from non-donor to giver. <laughs> but when you get them together in a weekend where they are experiencing this organization as a, as a giving family, and they're around other giving families, it creates a place where um, they, are, they are comfortable, they feel safe, and they're, they're motivated to engage. So as it relates to a major donor fundraising officer and a CEO, I say our job is to facilitate connections. We're there to help the donors really connect with each other. And to the extent they invite us into that conversation, we need to be comfortable in that conversation. But the primary goal we have at these weekends is for them to connect with each other. Mm, that's great. I, I'm curious about the audience for these weekends. So I, I know that, that you've said these are the you know, major and mega donors, but do you find that when you work with an organization, are most of these people already uh, in managed portfolios, engaging at some level with the organization? Or do you tend to find that you know, you're picking a lot of these people up, say, out of the direct mail program or out of the you know, traditional event program that they've got, and, and this might be a first engagement uh, yeah. for them with the organization in that kind of intimacy? Yeah, that's a good question. So we're often seeing a, a really broad mix of attendees from current major donors to lapsed major donors to general and mid-range donors who through wealth analytics uh, identified as high capacity givers it, it runs it runs the gamut uh, to to prospects that are on a caseload of portfolio but haven't really necessarily achieved in quotes the major gift level of giving with an organization it's interesting that andrew that the uh, we've done a five-year audit of all of our events and we have found that current major donors major donor as defined as um, ten thousand dollars in a single single calendar year or more current major donors can be six percent higher gift than they've given previously as their highest gift. so um it is as roy said a few minutes ago it really is an incredible upgrade tool but we looked at lapsed donors lapsed major donors um they came on board listen to this the lapsed major donors came on board at right around $100,000 per donor. Lapsed major donors. Wow. So it is, it is not only a great upgrade tool, but it's a, a, a conversion tool for, for prospects, and it's a, it's a re-engagement tool for, for lapsed givers. That's pretty huge. I don't know of anybody that's getting numbers like that these days. What, from a sort of an overall return on investment perspective, what do you guys see for, for the activity that you, that you um, lead with your clients, is the average return two to one? Is it 10 to one? Where, 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 do, you, where do you see those yeah. numbers fall? So the average is 5.5 to one. Okay. And, and we're counting event revenue only. So oh, interesting. Here's what I mean by that. Organizations that have done a long-term value study of the givers who came in through the front door of the event consistently achieve a 10 to one LTV from those givers. Hmm. Uh, one of the clients we work with, a university, 
had done four events with us. They raised $12 million at the event. Their executive VP told us those same donors have given $50 million since the event. Wow. So, you know, it's not just a, a one and done thing. These aren't givers who are giving and going. These are givers who are giving and growing. And I think that's what separates this model really from other of the earlier uh, um, consulting firms you mentioned is that th these are, are growing, sustaining relationships. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the other models that I'm familiar with, you're lucky to get one gift and then the person, you know, says something to the effect of, I'd really not prefer to go next year because they're just going to bother me. Um, yeah. Whereas it seems like this really helps to deepen the relationship and get people engaged for the long term, um, which is significant. Yeah, well, let me, let me prove that out for you. So obviously you understand the caliber of people who attend if we're, if we're averaging a $104,000 average gift, right? right? It's, a, it's a high level uh, attendee. So we've, we've served more than 2,000 high net worth or ultra high net worth families this year through our event model. So far, 99% of the people who attend our event said they would be willing to come back next year. Wow. That says a here's whole where it gets it does well here's something even better 98.8 percent of those people said they would be willing to bring one of their friends with them huh so yeah. it's it's a built-in acquisition tool that's really cool yeah talk talk to me bob and i think one of the reasons is it's not just it's not just the relationships that are built although that's key but i have found that that you guys know how to run events with real quality. I mean, it's, it, you, not only is it the, the technology's right, the video's right, the music's right, the entertainment's right, the way you work with our speakers. And, and I mean, I don't want to say every word scripted, but it's pretty close to that. <laughs> and and you, could, you really conduct an, an entire orchestra, you know, bringing the emotion at, at that three-day event to a peak. And t talk about just the event logistics a bit, because uh, sure. so often everybody thinks they can do this. And, and, if, and if you don't have experience at that piece of it, you're in trouble. <laughs> well, it, it goes back to one of, the, one of the things we talked about a few minutes ago. It's, it's what I call building bridges of trust between the organization and the giver. If a giver is sitting in an event where it's been, it's been pr uh, promoted as something that starts at 6 o'clock and ends at 9 o'clock, and it starts at 6.20 and ends at 9.30, um, it, it just says to the giver, your, your, your time doesn't matter, and nor, nor does us running a professional event matter. All that matters is we get done what we wanted to get done. And believe it or not, the donors sitting in the room actually thinking about, these guys can't even start this meeting on time. What makes me think they can, they can effectively and efficiently use the funds that I give to, those, to this organization? Mm. So timeliness and effectiveness, efficient, efficiency, and excellence matter to this group of people. So we run our events with absolute precision. Uh, we say we're going to start a session at 7.15. My goodness, we have a time clock on the screen and MC is starting the session. And it says it ends at 8.30, there's a time clock in the back and it ends at zero and we're done with the session. When you run uh, with precision, it beats volumes to the givers in the room. You care about my time, you're professional, 
and you're excellent. And I want to be a part of something like that. So there's a reason we do everything. Everything is timed to the minute. And we have pre-production meetings. We have production meetings. Uh, we have debrief sessions. We have conversations with speakers. And, and you know what? You know this, Roy. Nobody in the room knows that this is a web fall event. They, they, they think this is a, a Mercy Ships event. You, and it is. And you guys are, are totally, it's totally invisible to the donor. The, the donor understands that this is a Mercy Ship event. Mercy Ships has run this with absolute excellence. It speaks volumes about you as an organization. So to think about somebody who's never in their life done anything at this level, you have audio, visual, lighting, you have scripts, you have media, you have the room set, you have meals, you know, you have, you have speakers, you have content, you know, there's so many variables and, and you have people in the room that it's a miracle. First of all, you got them in the room. And second of all, you better deliver an extraordinary experience or the likelihood that they'll come back is pretty low. The likelihood that they'll give you what we call a transformational gift is probably non-existent. So two questions, Bob. First one is from the point of decision to the day in the room, what's the typical timeline that it takes you to prepare for one of these kind of events? Yeah, it's usually 10 to 12 months uh, from the time an organization says yes till we turn on the lights at the weekend. Okay. And uh, for organizations that are doing these multiple times, is it consistently a 10 to 12 month or is it like once you prep for it once, the next one you can do in half the time? So we have a, a few clients who do multiple events a year and those are always work in progress. Um, okay. So usually uh, I'm going to one this fall where the client had an event in March on the West coast where they raised 17 million and their East coast event is in uh, November and they have 45 couples. There's, you know, we don't know what they're going to raise at that yet, but we've been pre prepping for the fall event the same time we were prepping for the spring events. So okay, uh, it's, it's constantly a work in progress. And I've heard you say a couple of times throughout our conversation when it comes to the number of couples, 45 to 50, right? So that's, that's a hundred people. Is that because 100 is the most manageable number? Like, why is 45 to 50 the sweet spot? So you want some level of intimacy, especially for your first weekend. And uh, we have found that kind of the magic number is 50 couples. So if you have an event that has 50 couples versus 30 couples, it raises 180% um, more money. So... There's something about having kind of the right number of folks in the room that create the experience for the giver that maximizes the event. Now, I will say I was with a client this week where their first event, they're planning on 120 giving, giving uh, let's call it units, attending that event. So it's a much bigger event. And the chief development officer said to me, how do we maintain that intimacy? And what I said was it all has to do with um, how you engage your donor hosts at the weekend. So if your donor hosts are hosting, helping host couples, let's say one donor themselves hosts six to eight couples, you create a bunch of pockets of intimacy mm. and that keeps, the, that keeps the intimacy of the event. That makes a lot of sense. It's really interesting just to think about the, the size of the audience. I mean, that kind of stuff is important, you know, because it's, they're coming, you're, they're getting direct access to board members, direct access to the founder, the president, and, you know, 
those those specific people only have so much bandwidth, and so if you if you if you don't have enough of those types in the room, uh, you know that's that's part of the mix that make it that make it work, isn't it, Bob? Absolutely. And and then you have you, you know it's really important that that you have people in the room that aren't um, polar opposites in in capacity. So you don't have a mm. a donor capable of giving a hundred dollars a month sitting at a table with a donor capable of writing a check for a million dollars. That creates a space that's uncomfortable for both of those givers. So being, being mindful of your audience is a, is a critical aspect of this weekend. And then, you know, one thing, one thing that we haven't talked about is the framing of the case for support. So, so the science and art of that is critical as the people that you get in the room. So it, it, it's really focused on both. It's, it's, the, it's the audience and then the message that we're going to deliver at the weekend. So talk to us a little bit more about that framing. I, I think a lot of organizations struggle with this because you know, they, they want to showcase the need to motivate the donor to give, but not so much that, they, that it feels overwhelming or that you know, maybe organizationally they look like they're not up to snuff. How do you counsel organizations around that? And, and how do you help them set the tone for what is the right kind of uh, presentation of the case, particularly for donors like this? Yeah, good, good question. So first of all, it has to do with cadence. So you have to structure the case so that it has the proper cadence to it. You don't want the biggest emotional high to be the first thing you show them, right? Um, it, it, it has a diminishing return at that level. So we look at cadence. How do we, how do we build this case to a, to a crescendo right before we make, extend the invitation to give? Then we have to talk about what is it we want to help the donor understand. And um, essentially, we call that the intellectual case. So basically, the who you are, the what you do, where you do it, how you do it, how long you've done it, how many countries, et cetera, et cetera. So you've, you've kind of set the context for the donor in their mind so that they understand who you are. Then each, each presentation has an element of the intellectual case, but it also has an element of the emotional case. So that's who you're trying to reach with, with your mission, who you're trying to affect, who you're trying to, whose life are you trying to transform? And that's, that story is basically told in the definition of who, who is your audience as an organization, who are you trying to reach? But thirdly, and the most important part of the case for support is what we call the transformational case. So you take your intellectual case, your emotional case, and what's the outcome of that? It's the life that's transformed. And um, we bring great focus to that in each of the presentations of the case for support. So um, that's, that's delivered by actually the story of one person uh, and delivering their entire story of, of, of a life, life transformed. So where does all this come from? Our company does a great deal of research on the giving habits of high net worth families. We're also members of the board of the Giving Institute. The Giving Institute is the organization that uh, generates the, um, the funding and the research for Giving USA. Hmm. And, um, and we take all of that uh, content, all that research, and then we apply it at our weekends. So we have anecdotal evidence of the impact of the empirical research. 
Um, and and one, of the, one of the tools that's helpful to us in our research is the biannual study of giving habits of ultra high net worth families that's, that's conducted between Bank of America and the Lilly School of Philanthropy. And one of the things we, we look at as a company is, is the uh, motivations for giving. So we're, we're always kind of looking what, what's motivating people to want to write a check. And it's, it's consistent year after year after year um, what, what drives a donor to write a check. And I'll, I'll tell you the top two from the last one. If you can help a donor believe in the mission of your organization, 94% of the donors will make a gift. Hmm. But here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the one point that, that a vast majority of organizations miss. And it's 93% of major donors will make a gift when they believe that when they give you this gift, that gift is going to make the difference in the life of somebody else. We call that the transformational case. And, and, and you said it just a minute ago, uh, Andrew, you said most organizations focused on the need to raise money or, the, or, or the, how much money they need. And the donor doesn't really care how much money you need if they don't understand, A, why they believe in your organization, and B, when they give you that money, what are you going to do with that money that's going to transform somebody's life? So if you were to look at a, at a, pick a major donor fundraising officer and look at their moves management strategy and look at the moves, look at the specific moves that they're making and, and then identify how many times in a 12-month cycle that major donor fundraising officer is delivering the transformational case. I bet you can't find it more than 10% of the time. <laughs> and 93% of donors will write a check when it's proven. So it's such an unbalanced approach. You know, it's, I laughed when you said that. It's not funny at all, but you're absolutely right. I mean, when I, when I look at this across organizations that we partner with, most of the moves are around showing how great we the organization are or simply doing something to, to check a box to say, yes, I've stayed in touch with this donor. Yes, exactly. And, and you know what, if, 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 you, if you made a purposeful deposit of a transformational case, every single time you made contact with a donor, every single time, you can do it in an email. You can attach a story to your email. Hey, we just got this story from, from Florida. We just got this story from Africa. I thought you'd be interested in it. If it's a brief story, the donor will read it. But, but instead, we're so busy ticking the boxes that we're not doing anything to engage the donor. And that's why so many of us get transactional gifts. We say at, at these events, we get, we, we're going after transformational gifts. One of the evidences that we're achieving that is 90% or more of the gifts that we get at these weekends come in undesignated. They come into what we call the core mission. Wait, you get what percent? 90%. Wow. So 90% of the giving is done core mission, unless we're doing an event specifically for a capital campaign for a capital project. If we're doing a comprehensive uh, organizational ask, 90% of the time we get undesignated giving at these things. That's awesome. That really is, you know, the, the things you guys do in advance just to help us even really work on that case and, and make sure that it is 
you know, transformational and not just a transactional ask. You know, it, it does not, it doesn't feel like a pitch. It's not, you know, so often, it, and you said it right, Bob, I mean, major gift officers are just out there pitching and that's when they stay in that transactional box of small gifts, you know, usually missing uh, two or three zeros from the gift. <laughs> yeah. It, it's not only, it's not only transactional, but it's also designated, right? So it, uh, it really cuffs the hands of the nonprofit. Absolutely. Hey, Bob, I think we're getting close on time. I, I so appreciate you being here with us. And I feel like I've learned so much just in this last 40 minutes. If some of our mm -hmm. listeners are interested in, in talking to you about how they might engage Westfall Gold or have other questions, uh, what's the best way for people to reach you? I would just go to our website, uh, westfallgold.com, or you could even send me an email, bob.westfall at westfallgold.com. Man, thank you so much again. I really appreciate you being here. appreciate uh, getting to learn from you today. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Roy. Thank you. Appreciate you, Bob. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast, brought to you exclusively by Newport One. Newport One can make a difference in your fundraising so that you can change the world. You can always reach us at podcast at newportone.com. Please take a moment to rate this episode on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. When you rate this episode, it will help more nonprofit leaders just like you to help find us and get the information that they need to raise more funds for their organization. Thanks again for listening today.